Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks, we've been going through the gospel of Matthew. And so we're up to chapter 4. We're looking at the person of Jesus. Because what I what I found is, is that every once in a while we need to kind of remind ourselves about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Because as you go about your Christian life, you can be so focused on what you have to do right now that you kind of lose sight of the one who died for you. You lose sight of the one who gave all for you so that you could be able to live the life that you are right now. And so we're going to talk about Jesus today. And we're going to understand why he did some of the things that he did. We're going to look today at his temptation by Satan in the wilderness. Now, sort of like last week, last week we looked at his baptism. All four Gospels mentioned this. And if you were to ask the average person, well, why are they in the Gospels? Most of us would probably not have an answer for that. We probably wouldn't even comprehend why, first of all, he had to be baptized. We talked about that last week. And then why he had to face these temptations. We just assume that it's there. It's part of the story. We learned it from Sunday school. But what I want to do today is I want to show you why it's there. Why it's so important for you and I. And and, and to help you to understand that, You kind of need to understand the dilemma that you and I are facing. We talked about the dilemma last week, folks, about the fact is is we don't understand him, we can't comprehend him, and he seems distant from us. Well, our dilemma goes a little bit further, and we're going to talk about that this week, because this is how understanding why Jesus had to face the temptations can answer where you and I are at. So what's the dilemma, George? Well, here's two things I want you to see about the dilemma. First of all, our sin requires... A price to be paid. Did you understand that? Our sin. Let's just stop for a moment. Does everybody recognize here that every one of you here, including myself, is a sinner? You sin. You do wrong. Oh, no, George. I'm I'm okay. I'm good. No, you're not. You're wrong. You're messed up. Look look to your neighbor right now. You've been waiting to do this. Go ahead. Tell them. You're messed up. Okay? Now, some of you are enjoying that. Don't enjoy it too much, okay? Uh, that enjoyment of that reflects that you're messed up, okay? You and I are sinners. You will sin. You have sinned today. I don't think I've sinned. You can sin ignorantly without even realizing it. You can sin. There are sins that we commit that we're conscious of, and there are sins that we commit that we're not conscious of. And the reality is, is you and I are sinners. We sin. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that whether you realize it or not, every time we sin, that requires a price. Because sin is not done in a vacuum. We often maybe delude ourselves into thinking that sin doesn't hurt anybody else. No, it hurts. It requires a price. And you know that because sin brings, first of all, consequences in your life, does it not? 
I mean, whether you realize it or not, your sin brings consequences. And, and, and that's really another way of saying price, because there are consequences for your sin. And ultimately, can I be honest with you, what sin brings is death. Isn't that what Paul says in Romans? For the wages of sin is what? Death. That's the ultimate price when you transgress and you sin against God, it requires death. So that, that's our dilemma, folks. The problem is, is you and I, we face temptation, right? We give in. And that's just reality. You give in. And you what? Sin. And so it's not a question of you trying to quit sinning, face the temptation. God is the one who helps you to do that, ultimately. You're going to be a flat-out sinner to the day that you die. But the reality is, is our sin requires a penalty. It requires death. That's our dilemma. Here's the second thing I want you to see about our dilemma. Who can completely pay it? It requires a price. The second part of our dilemma is this. Who can completely pay the price that you got to pay? You can't. There's nothing you can do to remove it. Have you ever tried that? You ever, you ever messed up royally? I mean, and, 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 and you wish, you know, that's when you wish you had a time machine, right? The, the reality is, is that you can't. And, 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 and the devastation that occurs because of your sin, you can't take that back. You can't bring back words. You can't bring back actions. You can't make different decisions. And, and, and it's devastating, isn't it? And you look there and you say, man, I've got to pay this price, and there's more of a price to be paid. Who can completely pay it? That's the question. That's the dilemma we're in. Who can take care of my stuff? Who can take care of my stuff? That's where we enter into this passage. Because what you're going to see is, is that there is one who can take care of it for you. Because our dilemma is, is we're sinners, right? That's our dilemma, right? I mean, let's just, let's just be, let's, let's, let, let's just be real. Sometimes in church we can have this attitude that I'm okay. I've got it under control. No, you don't. You're just good at acting. Did you understand what I'm saying? We should hand out Oscars for best performance. Did you know what I'm saying? I mean, isn't that true? But the reality is, is that, listen to me, the reality is, We've got a dilemma, we don't know how to face it, but that's where Jesus comes in. That's why we're studying this gospel, folks, because with this, what we're going to read here in a moment, as we read last week with the whole issue of the baptism, it all has to do with Jesus identifying himself with you. What does that mean, George? Well, it's called... In theological terms, it's called identification. He identifies himself with you. I'll put it in everyday layman terms for you and I. Everyday Kerwinsville talk, okay? He's bringing himself down to our level. Because here's the point. We all know that he went to the cross to what? Die for our sins, right? But in order for him to be the perfect sacrifice, he had to be tested. So let's read about that testing, because that's what temptation is. Do you realize temptation is testing? So does everybody understand that? When you are tempted, you are what? You are tested. Is temptation sin? No, it's giving into the temptation that sins. Not that, you know, there's all kinds of temptation out there. It's you giving into it, all right? So let's look together. We're just going to read verses 1 to 11 of chapter 4 today. 
And we're going to look at this incident from Jesus' life, and we're going to bring out some truths for you and I today to help us to recognize that he's the one. You need to fall in love with this one. Because he did it for you. He did it for me. Look at what he does. Look at what he says here. Matthew writes, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these 11 verses, we're going to divide them into two sections. We're going to look at verses 1 to 2, and we're going to see the divine purpose. There's a reason why he had to do this. We're going to discuss that with the issue of the divine purpose. And then we're going to look at the temptations. This is where you and I can relate to him. This is where Jesus can relate to us as he faces these temptations. Because they're really specifically in three different areas. They're the same three areas that you get tempted in every day, including today. And we're going to see some lessons from that. So let's look together. Let's look, first of all, 1 and 2, verse 1 and 2, we're going to see the issue of the divine purpose. Look at what it says there. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, was hungry. Here's two things I want you to see here. Two things that you needed to understand about Jesus. Number one, he was guided into the wilderness for a purpose. He was guided into the wilderness for a purpose. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to think with me for a moment. What's our problem? Folks, what's our problem? It's our dilemma. What is it? Yeah, we're sinners. We sin. We willfully choose to do wrong. That's reality. And remember, our dilemma is, is that there's a price that's got to be paid for it, right? God demands a penalty for our sin, and it's death. Now, the problem is, is that you and I can't take care of that. You and I can't pay that price. Somebody has to. Well, yeah, Jesus did, George. Jesus did. Well, why was Jesus able to do it? Why was he the perfect sacrifice? Well, because he was without sin. How do you know that he was without sin? That's what this passage is about. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, led him specifically into the wilderness for the specific purpose. Listen to me, it didn't just happen by chance. For the specific purpose that he would be what? 
tempted like you and I are. Like you and I are. So that he could be tested. This is the second thing I want you to see here about this divine purpose. He was, he was guided into the wilderness for a purpose. Here's what the purpose is. He was tested or tempted. That was the issue. He needed to be tested. He needed to show himself as the perfect sacrifice for you and I. Do you understand what I'm saying? He needed to show himself as the one who could take your place. Did you understand what I'm saying? As the one who would satisfy God's wrath against you. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because you're bankrupt. You're morally, spiritually bankrupt. There's nothing you can do about your stuff. So Jesus comes along and he shows that he's the one to do it for you. See, there was a divine purpose in him being tempted. It was for you. It was for you. So many times we just think, oh yeah, Jesus doesn't understand the things I'm going through. God doesn't understand. You know what? He only knew how much, it, how much stuff I have to go through and why I keep giving in. He knows exactly why you keep giving in because he faced it. Do you hear me? God understands. God comprehends what's going on in your life. He lived a human life. The only difference is he didn't sin. And he presented himself to the Father as the perfect sacrifice for your sin. He paid the price for you, folks. He paid the price for you. In fact, listen, how many of you have heard the Bible word redemption? How many of you? He redeemed us. Have you heard that word? Have you ever thought about what that means? Redeemed? He paid the price. You ever redeemed a coupon? This much off on a, this much pizza, you know? But you know, the reality, listen to me. So when you go there, you, you redeem it for that price, right? He redeemed your price for your sin with his life. And the reason why he was able to do it is because he was with what? Out sin. The reason why he could identify with you and pay that price is because he faced the same thing you faced, but without sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a divine purpose. All of this, these are not just arbitrary stories thrown in the Gospels for you to just think about, oh, wow, isn't that wonderful? He was tempted. Woo! It was for a reason. So that he could be your savior. So that he could be the one worthy enough to die for you. So let's look at the temptation. Let's look at what he faced and look at how he responded and look at what we can, can see there. Look with me. When we look at, at verses three through eleven, we see the temptations. He's tempted in three areas. Look at him. Number one, Satan tempts him with the issue of food. If you're the son of God, turn these rocks into what? Bread. The next one is, he takes him up on the pinnacle of the temple and says, throw yourself down, let's have a big show here. The angels will, will, will make sure that you don't fall. And then the third one, he shows them what? The kingdoms of the world and says, I'll give you all of these in their glory if you'll what? Worship me. What's going on here, folks? It's the same three temptations that you face. Well, hey, George, nobody's taking me to the temple and asking me to throw myself down. No, no, you're, you're missing the point. Listen to what John says, First John. He says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that is not of the Father, but of the world. He's talking about three areas here. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. What's going on here? Here's what we need to understand about temptations. It appeals 
to the desire for three things. Pleasure, position, and possessions. Pleasure, position, and possession. You think about it. You think about how you're tempted every day. You think about the things that you're facing a temptation for. What is it for? You're walking through that aisle of candy before you check out at Walmart. What's facing you there? All those candy bars. They're crying out your name. Buy me! Buy me! What's that? What kind of temptation is that, folks? You're just thinking about the pleasure of that chocolate touching your what? Tongue and your lips. And you're like, yes, I have to buy it. That's a temptation for what? Pleasure! All the things that we face can fall into these three areas. Pleasure, position, possessions. Pleasure, position, possessions. This is where Jesus, he's tempted in each one of these areas. Did you ever wonder why it was just three areas? Because it hits those three categories. He was tempted just as you and I are. Trying to appeal to those three areas of our lives. That's what we see here. It appeals to the desire for pleasure, position, and possessions. Here's what I want you to see else. It shows us that Jesus was human. See, we have, a, we have an easier concept to comprehend him as God, right? The hardest concept for you and I to comprehend him is that he was fully human. And as a human, he faces the same temptations as you and I, except he didn't sin. In fact, that's what the writer of Hebrews says. The writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, for he himself suffered being tempted, and he was able to aid those who were tempted. Isn't that awesome? He suffered just as you and I suffer. He's tempted just as you and I are tempted. Why? Because he's human. And being fully God and fully human, he is then able to what? Minister for you and I. Being able to reach out to where you and I are at. So we see he faces the same three areas. We see that he's tested because he's human. Here's the next thing I want you to see. Here's what he does, and this is where I think it's very interesting for you and I. Here's how he responds to the temptations. Jesus responded to temptations with what? Scripture. Jesus responded to the temptations with what? Scripture. Hey, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Are you sick of giving in? Answer me. Are you sick of giving in? You sick of sinning? You need to be. You need to. Some of you might say, oh no, I really enjoy it. I know you enjoy it, but the question is, are you, after a while, you gotta get sick of it, right? Because it's demanding a price from you folks. How do we face it, George? You know, in, in Corinthians, it says there's no temptation taking a man except that which is common and that God is faithful and that he'll provide a way of escape. I've been looking for the way of escape for a long time, George. What is it? It's the way of escape Jesus took when he faced temptation. His word. See, if you're facing a whole lot of temptations in your life and it just seems like your life's upside down, I, I'd have to ask a question. The question is, is how close are you to him? Are you spending time in his word? Are you letting him change you through his word? Are you letting him convict you through his word? You, you, you ever, you, the old preachers used to say this. I see this every once in a while. Sin, it'll keep you from this book. Or the book will keep you from what? Sin. See, he answered his temptations with scripture. And here's what David says. David says in Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against you. 
Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto your word. Wow, David's pretty profound, isn't he? See, Jesus, when he responded to the temptations, responded, notice he didn't get into an elaborate discussion with Satan about life. He just responded with his what? His word. See, he can relate to us, can he? He can relate to us. One other thing I want you to see here is we, we talk about the issue of the temptations and about Christ and about where you and I are at. I want you to see this with me. Notice, he faced temptation and he did not sin. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you thankful for that? If you're not, you need to be. Because here's the thing, folks. Because if he sinned, could he be your sacrifice? Could he pay the price for your sin? No. This is why it's so awesome. In fact, it goes one step further. Look, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. This is from chapter 4. Again, talking about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Let's stop. Let's stop before I go on and give you the rest of the verse. He says, we do, we have a high priest who understands, are you ready for this? Where do you get tempted in, folks? In the area of your what? Weaknesses. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with your what? Weaknesses. Aren't you glad Jesus faced the temptations? Why? Because here's what he says. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Folks, that's what you need to understand. This is why we have this story. This is why we have this incident from the life of Jesus. Because Jesus, by facing the temptations and coming out of it without sin, he identifies with you in the midst of your giving in, and he goes to the cross to pay the price for you. That's what's so awesome. You say, okay, George, wow. What do we do with this? Well, let me ask you some hard questions. Here's the first one. Are you struggling to cope with your sin? That's the first one. And I don't need you to probe very deep to figure that one out. Because it's the one that has your lunch. It's the one that haunts you. That you're constantly being reminded of. You know. Even just mentioning it, boom, it's right there in your mind. It's being played out on the movie screen of your mind. And you immediately are flooded with what? The guilt and the shame. And you wish, you wish you could go back. You're like, oh, I wish I could take that away. I wish it would just leave somehow. I wish it would go. Are you struggling? Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a human being, and if you have a conscience that isn't seared, you will struggle. How do you know I'll struggle, George? Because it's the price that has to be paid. See, the price isn't just death. Folks, the price is all kinds of suffering attached with it, and mental games about it is all part of the suffering. Do you understand? It's all part of the price that has to be paid. So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be honest with yourself, and you've got to answer the question in your heart of hearts, you and Jesus talking, and say, Lord, yeah, I'm struggling. I regret. I regret. I wish. See those words that come out of there? The, 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 the wanting something more? 
It's all part of that struggle. I wish I could have that, wish, I wish it could be removed. I wish I could change this. I regret that I did this. Oh, if I just could live my life over. Hey, can I tell you something? Let me just go ahead and tell you right now. Let me just burst your bubble. All right, you ready to have your bubble burst? Let's just burst it. Even if you could go back, and yes, you change that one event, you'll mess up in another area, and you'll regret that one. How can you say that, George? How's that possible? Because you're a sinner, and you will destroy yourself if it wasn't for Jesus. That's the reality. So are you, are you struggling to cope with your sin? Here's the second question. Do you understand that somebody took your condemnation? Do you understand that somebody took your condemnation? Let me just stop for a moment. Your sin resulted in your condemnation. Do you understand that? you got to understand that. Your sin resulted in your death penalty. Do you realize you're walking on death row? And do you realize that because Jesus came and identified with you and, and was tempted but without sin and would go to the cross to die and pay the price for your sin, the propitiation is what the Bible calls it. Big Bible word, the atoning sacrifice for your sin. He took your condemnation on himself. Do you realize that? He let you off of death row. He removed from you the penalty, the judgment that's there because of the stuff you do wrong. Do you realize that? Has that, has that comprehend, has that hit, that realization hit you? Somebody else took your place. Somebody else went for you. You know, Paul says, I was just, I was, I was just in Romans 5 and Paul makes the point that not even a righteous man would, would lay down their life for anybody. He did it for you and you didn't even ask him. Because the fact of the matter is, let's be honest, we're enjoying sinning. You enjoy it. Because what? It appeals to our desire for what? Pleasure, position, possessions. Pleasure, position, possessions. It appeals to that. So do you understand that somebody took your condemnation? So what do we do with this, George? I mean, these are some serious questions to wrestle with. Here's what we do. It's the same thing I told you last week. You need to ask the Spirit to help you to seek Jesus with your whole heart. You need to go to him and say to him, Lord, here's the dilemma. Here's my dilemma, Lord. I'm a sinner. But you paid my price. You took my price upon yourself and and went to the cross for me. Because you love me. Lord, I want you. I need you. You know what, folks? Let's just, we all confess to each other that we're messed up. Some of you enjoy doing that, but we all confess to each other that we're messed up, right? You know, here's the other confession I need to tell you. Listen to me. We all should be saying to each other, we need Jesus. Not just one time, but every moment we need Jesus. So seek him. 
Seek him, and he will be found by you. Seek him with your whole heart. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.